Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? Hi, guys. Well, today I am super obsessed with this episode. I think you are, too. Absolutely. Uh, We have watched The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel on Netflix, and all we can say is, whoa. It's a hotel that I always wanted to go to, for sure. I just want to see what we can pick up on the energy there and see what things we can find out about this hotel. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I also want to take a gander there, but I'm kind of scared to go as well. So as I was watching this episode, her first few posts on Tumblr reminded me of myself. And I'm consistently tweeting on my secret Twitter. (laughs) And I just keep posting little comments about me venting over my little moments of stress. And when I had heard of her post, all I kept thinking was, she is calling out to me. She wants to speak to me and she wants her voice to be heard. So I had to do it. I am also very drawn to L.A., Always have been. So let's go. All right, guys. So Elisa was planning a trip from British Columbia to go visit Los Angeles. She was going to be going alone so she could have the time of her life. Elisa contacted her parents in BC daily while traveling up until the day she disappeared. January 31st, 2013, the day she was scheduled to check out of the Cecil and leave for Santa Cruz, her parents did not hear from her and called the L.A. Police Department. Her family flew to Los Angeles to try to help find her. Hotel staff who saw Lamb that day said that she was alone. Outside of the hotel, Katie Orphan, the manager of the last bookstore, was the only person who recalled seeing her that day. She was outgoing and very lively and very friendly while getting gifts to take home for her family. She was talking about what books she was getting and whether or not she was getting would be too heavy for her to carry outside as she traveled. Yeah, she seemed pretty friendly and always thinking about her family. I feel like she did that a lot, put her own you know, things aside so she can make her family happy. Now, police searched the hotel to the extent that they could legally do it. I mean, they searched her room and unfortunately they had a lot of abandoned items. So they just basically packed stuff up and the staff had indicated that the room was a bit of a mess. The police had dogs go through the building, including the rooftop, but the dogs were unsuccessful in detecting her scent. They didn't search every room they also couldn't do that unless they had proof that a crime had been committed right i remember seeing something as well on the episode where they had said that the dogs led out to the fire escape the dogs did lead out to the fire escape and they also did search the roof just not where she was gotcha on february 6th a week after lamb had been last seen the lapd decided more help was needed Flyers with her images were posted in the neighborhood and online. It did bring some light to the case to the public's attention through the media, which is kind of what they wanted, hoping that somebody would know something. On February 13th, after another week with no sign of Elisa, the LAPD released a video of the last known sighting of her taking in one of the Cecil's elevators by a video surveillance camera on January 31st. 
In approximately two and a half minutes of footage, Elisa is alone and she makes unusual movements and gestures, leaving the elevator at one point while its doors remained open. Even after she appeared to have pressed every button, when the doors fail to close after she returns, she leaves and the doors close. Now, the video drew in worldwide interest in this case due to Lamb's strange behavior and had been extensively analyzed and discussed and was reposted 3 million times and 40,000 comments in 10 days. And that was pretty heavy back in 2012. Many of the commenters found it unsettling to watch. Several theories emerged to explain her actions. One was that Elisa was trying to get the elevator car to move in order to escape from someone who was pursuing her. Others suggested that she might be under the influence of ecstasy or some other party drug, but none was detected in her body. When her bipolar disorder became known, the theory was that she was having a psychotic episode that emerged at this time. Other viewers argued that the video had been tampered with before making it public. Besides the obscuring of the timestamp, they claimed parts had been slowed down or nearly a minute of footage had been removed. This could have been done to protect the identity of someone who otherwise would be in the video, either related or not to the disappearance. During the search for Elisa, guests at the hotel began complaining about low water pressure. Some later also claimed their water was colored black and had an unusual taste. Oh God, I can only imagine. On the morning of February 19th, Santiago Lopez, a hotel maintenance worker found Elisa's body in one of the four 1,000-gallon tanks located at the top of the roof, providing water to guests, a kitchen, and a coffee shop. Through the open hatch, he saw Elisa laying face up in the water. The tank was drained and cut open since its maintenance hatch was too small to accommodate equipment needed to remove her body. On February 21st, the Los Angeles coroner's office issued a finding of an accidental drowning with bipolar disorder as the significant factor. A full coroner report released in June that stated that Elisa's body had been found naked, clothing similar to what she was wearing in the elevator and was floating in the water, coated with sand-like particles. Her watch and room key were also found with her. Elisa's body was moderately decomposed and bloated. It was mostly greenish, with some marbling evident on the abdomen and skin separation was also evident. There was no evidence of physical trauma, sexual assault, or suicide. Toxicology tests show traces consistent with prescription medication found among her belongings, plus non-prescription drugs such as Sinitab and ibuprofen. A very, very small quantity of alcohol was present, but no other recreational drugs. Investigators and experts have, however, noted that the concentration of her prescription drugs in her system indicated that she was under-medicating or had stopped taking her medication recently. The investigation had determined how Elisa died, but did not initially offer an explanation as to how she got into the tank in the first place. Doors and stairs that access the hotel's roof are locked, with only staff having the passcodes and keys and any attempts to force them would supposedly have triggered an alarm. The hotel's fire escape could have allowed her to bypass those security measures, 
her scent trail was lost near a window that was connected to it. And a video posted to the internet after Elise's death showed that the hotel's roof was easily accessible via fire escape and that two of the lids of the water tanks were open. They were protected by heavy lids that would be difficult to replace from within. The hotel employees who found the body said that the lid was open at the time and removing the issue of how she could have closed the lid from the inside. Police dogs that searched through the hotel for Elisa even on the roof shortly after her disappearance was noted that they did not find any trace of her. The media had a theory that the elevator video shows that she was under the influence of an illicit drugs that are not detected by the absence from the toxology screening, suggesting that they might have broken down during the period of time her body was decomposing in the water, or that she may have taken a rare cocktail of such drugs that a normal screen would not detect. The autopsy report and its conclusions were also questioned based on the incomplete information. For instance, it does not say the results of the rape kit and the fingernail kit or even if they were processed. It also records pooling of blood in Elisa's anal area, which some observers suggest the sign of sexual abuse. One pathologist noted that it could have been results from bloating in the course of a body's decomposition and her rectum was also prolapsed. Her phone was not found either with her body or in her hotel room. In September of 2013, Elise's parents filed a wrongful death suit claiming that the hotel failed to inspect and seek out hazards in the hotel that presented an unreasonable risk of danger to their daughter and other hotel guests and seeking unspecified damages and burial costs. The hotel argued it could not have been reasonably foreseen that Elisa might have entered the water tanks, and since it remained unknown how Lisa got into the tank already, no liability could be assigned for failing to prevent it. In 2015, the suit was definitely dismissed. They also found her on the other footage with two men and a box that had books in it from the last bookstore. Now, just an FYI, guys, we will be covering cases about the Cecil Hotel and all the other deaths and weird things around this hotel, and we'll be doing that in the future. I am set on talking about everything weird about this hotel. This was one that Liz and I sat and talked about for days, so let's get started. Can you feel Elisa? I certainly can. And to be honest, I'm very glad I'm finally able to connect to her. I actually had a hard time finding her and I started to get worried about it. But I think it was because of her little tiny Gigi. I think that's her great grandmother who also had passed on and had said no by shaking her head. I believe that she actually told Elisa not to come forward. And I feel like she was trying to respect her elders. So I had to put this really interesting case down and try again later. Let's talk about leading up to her trip. Give us some details about her as a person. Tell us what she was like a little bit more. Well, uh, she was obviously excited to go to L.A. She wanted something exciting to happen in her life. And her parents were pretty strict with her having like a social life and having friends. And they didn't trust a lot of people outside of their own family. And she had this 
large amount of pressure from her family, and she did not want to ever disappoint them. Her parents didn't really understand her bipolar. No one else really had it in her family, didn't understand how to handle her, how to react to her. They would just kind of ignore it a lot of the times. And that got really hard and stressful. And when she decided to go on her trip, her parents were worried that something bad would happen. But I feel like she spent a great amount of time begging and pleading with them to allow her this opportunity as she had done super well in her schooling. And I feel like they did agree to allow her to go, but I do see that they did struggle right until she had left to go. I feel like the reason they ended up letting her go was because she had a bit of a mental breakdown and they wanted to make sure that this would help her. They didn't realize how important it actually was to her. When parents hold on a little too much, sometimes kids feel like they're being smothered and they want to spread their wings and fly. Oh, she wanted to fly all right. She had also been on her meds for a while without any issues, so she felt like she was normal for once in her life and wanted to take advantage of that before it became an issue again. She had been dreaming of seeing L.A. and old Hollywood. She was very interested in that and Elvis and Marilyn Monroe and all the beautiful things, and she wanted to be part of that beauty. She had one of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences all planned out, and that was exactly what she was going to do. Can she tell us why she didn't bring anyone with her? She wanted to prove to everyone that she was ready to do this on her own. She didn't ask anyone to come. She wanted to do this trip her way with her own plans, and she was hoping to find herself a little more and also maybe have a little wind-whirl romance. She also started to think that she didn't really need her meds anymore, And that line triggered me. Can you tell us why? I used to be married to someone who had the rapid cycle bipolar and also depressed on top of that. He lived in his own fantasies and he always thought that winning the lottery was really going to happen for him. Even though he had never asked me directly, ironically enough, it just brought me back to that time. I, also being bipolar, not the rapid cycle, also have those moments. I have to remind myself to keep control of myself consistently. Exactly. Well, she was feeling really good, so excited, and she wanted to make it happen, so she finally did. So what didn't we get to hear about when it comes to her journey? Well, she shows me she was having the time of her life. She took videos of everything. She enjoyed the view from the plane. She had been having so much fun. And from what she shows me, she had spent time talking to the person next to her on the plane. This one being a man. She had said he was really nice. She shows me that she had checked in and everyone in her room got along well. She wasn't unhappy and nothing like that was happening. She shows me that everyone got along well and she even said that there were a few men she met too and even had a little crush on one of the guys. They had made her feel pretty and that was something she was not used to. Can you tell us how he made her feel pretty? From what she shows me, he had said something like, you stand out amongst the crowd because everyone looks the same in L.A., And she felt happy. No one had ever said anything like that to her before. She felt flutters. She also felt anxiety. 
She shows me she started feeling like she needed to admit to this man every single thing she was feeling and thinking and talking about how she was bipolar and if she didn't tell him, that means she's lying. She just shows me she kept on running around in her brain over and over again trying to figure out what the best things to do with this particular guy. So did the two of them get to hang out? Yes, uh, she did get to hang out with him a few times. I feel like she met him the first day and I believe they did have plans to go to the bookstore. I feel like he offered to go with her because she could get lost in the big city. (laughs) Even though it wasn't too far from the looks of it, he brought a friend too. I also feel like there was a third guy as well. They were all young adults, maybe even a female in there too. I feel like the oldest was maybe 24? She even took a few pictures of her adventure out with them. I don't believe she took any selfies of herself doing anything, but I do see some sort of like lunch and them having an exchange of phone numbers as well. Did she drink anything when she went out to lunch? Well, here's the thing. She shows me that this day she decided to not take her meds. She did take it the day before, though, and she did decide to have a cocktail drink. It was a very small 5 to 7% alcohol type of drink. Was it her first drink? Yes. She didn't want to seem like the awkward one. Since the others all were drinking too, and since she was 21, she was legally allowed to drink there, so she thought she'd have one to fit in. Now, the next part I'm going to explain is a little out there, and I know it does sound a little crazy, but this is what she told me. So I'm going to give you as much detail as I possibly can. That is why it's called Freaked Out. Exactly. So Elisa went back to the hotel and she said that she doesn't even remember how much time elapsed during all of what happened, but she wants me to tell it exactly how it happened. So what happened first? She heard voices the moment she got to the hotel before this night. Now, she said that it was a very different voice than her own voices that she would hear from time to time, but she said she kept looking behind her to make sure no one was there. She said that she ignored it and pretended she didn't hear anything. She said she also didn't tell anyone about it either because people would think she was crazy, right? Yeah, that would be very scary and no one would want to admit something like that is going on, especially when no one you know isn't around. Exactly. Well, from what she shows me, she remembers everything that happened and she's going to explain it to me how she saw it. And then she's going to explain what she learned after the fact. She wants us to go on her journey with her. So she remembers walking back into the hotel and feeling good and not drunk at all. She shows me that she didn't even finish her drink and that she had it a few hours previously. She even got back and the alcohol was really out of her system at that point. She felt this voice again. She said it sounded like a snake. And that gives me shivers because usually with entities... Snake voices are more demonic than anything else. It also means that the voice could take over simple-minded people. And no, I don't mean stupid people. I just mean trusting, loving, open, and mentally unwell people that are the easiest to manipulate since they are normally willing participants to do so. 
since they can play such a submissive role in their everyday life, I feel like this spirit was waiting around for someone like her and had been waiting for a while. She isn't the first person it's talked to before either. So she heard it. Then what happened? Now she shows me that it made her do some weird freaky shit all over the place. She said that first, demons do not like technology and cameras and anything that can catch them on film. He made her dispose of her phone first. She shows me that she did go back into the hotel room a few times as well, and she shows me that it wasn't too important. She even shows me that one of her roommates was trying to, like, leave the room, and at this point, she wasn't really in control of her body. She said she could see what was going on, but wasn't able to, like, make decisions for herself. She was able to shift herself in certain directions and also get control back a little bit, but not really. She said that as soon as she would get control over her body, she would lose it just as quickly. She was screaming, but nothing was coming out. And... From what I can see, the woman that was in the room with her was trying to leave the room and Elisa wasn't letting it happen, a.k.a. this demon. And I think that's when her roommate started to get a little bit more freaked out by her. That definitely doesn't surprise me. But from the sounds of it, it seems like it really had control of her. Yes, it did. And I believe it had control over her a few days prior as well, but it was not this extent it would make rude gestures and swear and like say just sexual things with people that are walking by so it was slowly creeping in and taking over possession a little bit more she shows me that she took the phone somewhere she shows me she had a few things with the phone she shows me that she stepped on it over and over and over again then she put it in water and then threw it in a garbage bag. And from the sounds of it, it was all done in a washroom. And the washroom that everyone uses. She said she even seen someone shooting up in there. But the weird thing is, is that she didn't see this demon. She just felt them. I guess she had some abilities under this demonic energy. I have way too many shivers all over my body. Can the demon come through to you? No. Lucky for me... He's stuck in that hotel and can't leave. It was bred, born, and attached to the hotel. Even with the remodeling, it only gets strength from its victims of the hotel. Elisa shows me that the demon had asked her to go to the 14th floor and wait there for him. She shows me that she did as it asked, and she was told if she listened, her life would be spared. She shows me she started to run away. And she also shows me that she somehow ended up on the 14th floor and she has no recollection of how she even got there. By the way, guys, hotels do not have a 13th floor for superstition reasons. But even though they don't name the 14th floor the 13th floor, it would still have been the 13th floor in the dark side of the world from what we've heard. Although it may not be called the 13th floor, it still represents it. Yes. Basically, that floor is the 13th floor. It's just painted with a 14 just to make it a little less creepy. Now, keep in mind, not all 13th floors are bad luck. It's just extra bad luck, especially in haunted hospitals or hotels, some apartments. So what 
did she do next? I feel like she went around the entire hotel screaming and trying to hide from this voice, but she shows me that the words barely came out. She said that there were no people that reacted, let alone anything else. She said that she was crazy, though. She said that she looked straight out of a horror movie, and she said she doesn't blame anyone. It looked like she was on drugs. She wants everyone to understand that this had more control over her body than she did, and she was totally aware. Perhaps not able to speak about it, but she could feel and see and hear everything. So had she gotten to the elevator at this point? Not at this point. Although she was in the stairwell for a while, she said that the snake demon, and that's what she calls it, led her to the hotel elevator. And from what she also shows me is that the spirit kept telling her to go. And by the way, it can take some time to make someone move. But yes, she was not in control. This demonic being said it kept telling her to go to the stairwell. And once she was at the stairwell, it told her to go out the emergency exit. And of course, she had no choice and did it. So was she trying to fight it? Oh, yeah. She said that everything that happened in the elevator, she was trying to push against it. She was really scared and freaked out. And she also had no idea this wasn't her own voice talking to her. So it's not like she could talk about it at all. I really feel so bad for her. So once she got out on the fire escape, did she just take it all the way up? From what she shows me, she was petrified of heights and she did not go up there on her own. She said she would never, said that the picture of how it all happened really is kind of straight out of a horror story. She said it took her about 45 minutes to get up there. She said that when she got up there, this demon stood over the top of the entire hotel on the edge of it. Like she said, she was pretty much like hanging with her toes out and kind of like flopping in the air. If somebody had been capturing this footage at that time, it would have been really fucked up to see. So the demon moves very slowly, kind of like the movie Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Exactly like that, actually. That's how she kind of describes it. She shows me she was like crying on the inside and that her body was swaying over the top like he was trying to make the decision on what to do. I have no idea. She also has no idea. She didn't and couldn't look into his mind. But from what she said, he was like talking to her about how she deserved to die and that her parents and her family didn't want to deal with her garbage and her crap anymore. It was like trying to convince her to do something bad. So this thing was definitely telling her she wanted to kill herself. Pretty much. And she said that she was then moved away from the edge and the spirit almost lost a hold of her. There were parts on the roof that it couldn't control because the majority of the control is from inside of the hotel. So there were certain areas that she started to run away, but it would catch her again. She said that she fought this her hardest and trying not to listen. And she does show me she climbed up into the tank and that he had manipulated it to look like a swimming pool or an escape route or something. So she did that part on her own. That is pretty messed up. So how long after she jumped in did she realize that this wasn't a pool? 
Not even 30 seconds after, she said she was trying her hardest to get out and this thing was laughing at her and mimicking her. And she shows me she was drowning. Probably within the hour of being there, she said that as soon as it happened, she knew she was prepared. She never expected this, of course, and it was just wild. So how does she feel about how everyone is reacting to her death? Oh, she shows me she had no idea things would escalate the way they did. And she's more bummed about not being able to finish her trip more than anything else. She feels bad for her family and she didn't realize how much things would mess up based on her death. She said that she's so grateful in how many people had her back and she just wants them all to know that she is so happy and she has been kind of around the world. Even if it's in death, she was also able to finish her trip and she wants everyone to know she's at peace. So this demon has it come back after she's passed on? No, but she said that once she died, she left the hotel. She said that she will never go back there. She also said that there's a lot of spirits that have died that are still there. And she says that it's a very sad, lonely place and no one is happy no matter what they do in it. She also makes a mention to me as well that she didn't technically die inside. So she was pretty lucky with being able to leave the hotel. Well, that is fantastic. We will definitely for sure be covering those other stories soon. I have never done this kind of reading before with someone who stated that something had killed them. I know, it's definitely a lot to take in. Oh, it is. It makes me feel crazy. But I know this is not something that can just happen either. It takes time and it has had a lot of deaths in its place. Like murder can lead down this path. So I feel like this demonic demon has done this over and over again. I'm glad Elisa is away from the demon and also away from the hotel. Me too. She's back in Canada safe and sound with her family and very warm energy. All right, so last question before I forget, but why did she have a hard time coming through to you earlier? Well, I mean, just as much as I'm having a hard time saying this out loud, her grandma also didn't want her granddaughter to sound like she was crazy in the afterlife. And she didn't want to say something like this until the grandmother observed me for a while as well. By the way, guys, Liz put together a lot of cases that we will be covering in the podcast group under the albums. Also, we will talk about the cases that we won't be covering. So make sure to check us out at Freaked Out Podcast on Facebook. Next week, guys, we will be back to yet another episode. We will be covering Natalie Wood, and she will be done on the exclusive side. We also had a winner for the next patron episode, and we'll be covering Heath Ledger. So make sure to check out the patron side of Podbean tomorrow because the Heath Ledger episode is coming. Until next week, guys, stay freaked out. Stay freaked out.